This is a Sharp Old Hat podcast, and my name is Chris. It was an absolute pleasure and inspiration to talk with a true gentleman about his journey, which led him to walk the Camino twice and wrote a book about his experience. The gobshite that I am, I forgot to ask the title of the book during our chat. It is So That My Soul May Sing, published by Tribes Press here in Galway, and will be launched on June 16th, 2023. This is a conversation with Stephen Doubts. Usually, for an Irish person, I'm from a Protestant background, yeah. and right. I always feel guilt. I always feel jealous of the lapsed Catholic. Yeah. So, if you're a lapsed Catholic, you get a lot of sympathy because there has to be guilt and also <laughs> lapsed Protestant. Yeah. That's that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all. <laughs> wasn't it? Wasn't it Graham Norton who is Protestant as well? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He didn't know what was wrong with him. He put it great um, on one of his earlier shows. Like I didn't know what was wrong with me. I thought it was down to the fact that I'm Protestant. Oh no, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. But so when um, you're not Catholic and you do the Camino. Yeah, 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 yeah. How come? Uh, it's nothing to do with the Catholic Church. Oh, is it not? Uh, not for me. No, not but generally me, speaking, not. isn't it a religious kind of Catholic pilgrimage or something? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 the origin of it. Um, uh, the, the origin is a tale from medieval times about uh, St. James being martyred in Palestine and his oh. remains are collected by his friends and put in a boat which goes oh. the whole way down the Mediterranean through the Straits of Gibraltar, up the coast of Portugal, lands in Galicia, they carry it 50 miles inland, bury it at Santiago, but Santiago is St. James, and uh, it's discovered a thousand years later and positively identified as St. James. The DNA identification was very good at that time, you know. (laughs) So, you know, you'll meet very few people on it who who are are, uh, there for the traditional religious reasons. Okay. You know, uh, uh, and you meet plenty of people who are not Catholic in any sense. Yeah, I suppose um, a lot of like hikers there, I would imagine, and cyclists uh, and that sort of thing to just oh, take oh, a challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people there just for a holiday, <laughs> an awful lot of people who go for a week yeah. and do a bit, and then they come back next year and do another week. But there's know, more than one route, isn't there? Well, I there is, yeah, it out yeah, on the internet. Yeah, there's yeah. like four or five of them, and uh, they all go uh, to Santiago. Yeah, well, yeah, there, even more, you know, there, there are about, God, I think about maybe about 10 routes in Spain, mm. and mm. then there are feeder routes come down from yeah. France, and like yeah. traditionally there would have been routes, that, like nobody laid these out in a map, it was just the way people headed off to, to Santiago. And the numbers doing it in medieval times were absolutely astonishing. I think they reckon it was something like a quarter of a million a year were doing that. And that's at a time where most people didn't leave their townland, you know. What kind yeah, of a mileage are we talking about? Pardon? That's a couple of hundred miles, isn't it? Uh, depending, well, you see, like it was wherever you came from. So one of the starting points of the Camino was ah, St. James's okay. Gate in Dublin. 
now better known as a brewery. Um, but that's what it was. it was. It was the Church of St. James and you started your, your route there. And oh, I think yeah. you can still get your, you, 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 you can get these little Canino yeah. passports with which they stamp in the way you can have it stamped in, in St. James's Gate. <laughs> All right. It's like I, 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 those, those jackets, like, you know, people get at rock concerts, like, you know, with badges on, like, you know, I went to Iron Maiden. I went to oh, yeah, 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 to, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it does have a certain practical use because like in some of the, uh, hostels on the way, they won't let you in unless you have one, and you can show okay. that you're genuine. It's be mainly like, for example, uh, there's there's a big hostel in the centre of Burgos, and like you're paying ten euro a night. Okay. Now, in the centre of Burgos, everybody is going to every backpacker. Every, uh, every I, of course it's cheap. Every, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like the. Because of that, they have to limit it. Right. So if you don't have your little Camino passport, you're not going to get in there. Okay. And then at the end of the day, of course, you can get your what your Compostela, Santiago to Compostela. Like the a Compostela is a certificate you get at the end. Oh, very good. Uh, saying that right. you have completed the uh, Camino. Uh, how did you end up doing this? Um, well, like I'd, I'd heard of it kind of over the years. Yeah. I, I was aware of it. And um, I guess... I had I I saw an interview with Anthony Hopkins one mm. time, and he was talking about kind of what he had done in his life and what inspired him to do it. And he mm. said, "It's like there's this little voice in the back of my yeah. mind. I don't know what it is. I don't know where it comes from, but it's it's there, and it is there. And so, like it was like a little kind of nudge within me saying, go and walk the Camino. It'd be a great thing to do.' And uh, um. I also had, and I, st I start the book with this, I had a, a moment then um, where uh, I'm not quite sure how to, uh, a, a, a moment of not quite mental breakdown, but not far from it. Mm. Um, just a moment where kind of the leaves fell off the trees and yeah. uh, everything in my life just completely lost meaning. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was a very, very devastating uh, moment and that in turn led to the final decision to go on the Camino just and it was kind of about getting out of my routine yeah, uh, get getting out job. of the, the life that I'm in and, yeah. and getting your head away from all of the normal uh, uh, obligations yeah. and duties and so just getting tasks and, yeah yeah so like I described the Camino as kind of like it was my space that if if, if you need to get away you need to get mm time to yourself you need to create that space and it's it's like you design the architecture of that space and the architecture of that space for me was the Camino yeah. now around the time I did it I read this book an American woman who spent time on the island of Iona in Scotland okay. and she had gone through a similar terrible moment in her life and somebody offered her this house on the island of Iona. So yeah. here she is, an American who's never been to Scotland before, is living for a year in this tiny little island. Yeah. It kind of struck me that like, if one is pilgrimage, the other is hermitage. It's kind of like like two versions of the, the ancient religious uh, uh, tradition. But I think really it is the same thing. Yeah. It's just different a different architecture to the space that yeah. allows you to, to, that allows you to heal. Yeah. And that certainly was what the Camino did for me, that uh, just getting away from that normal chatter, oh, I have to feed the kids, I have to get to school, I have to, yeah. uh, whatever. Uh, you, you can get away, you can have that space, and you don't have anything like that to think of. The number of people I met who referred to the simplicity yeah. of the Camino, you get up and you walk, 
you arrive at your destination, relax, have dinner. The next day, you get up and you walk. And um, there is such a thing as walking meditation. And the more you can walk that way, just to be present within your body, within yourself. Like I would try to focus on my feet. Step, 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 step. And uh, that, I I think it gives, like, like getting over something like that, as a mental or a psychological trauma, you don't do it. You let it do itself. Yeah, I guess. It's like your thinking mind is the fucking obstacle. It's yeah, not the yeah. solution, you know. Yeah. So if you can just get away from that and just be in yourself and just have that time, yeah. uh, it for me it was it, it was the most the most healing experience I've had in my life. I think the most rewarding experience I've had in my life. How how long did it? take you actually it, to once it, you got out of it uh, takes about five on, on five road. weeks okay so, uh, so a month and a bit like oh yeah 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 and like again for me that was one of the advantages of it because five weeks is a commitment yeah. you you don't just say ah geez i'll take the weekend off you know exactly and yeah. if you're making that commitment yeah. like and you're and you're organizing like in my case i'm self-employed i was logistics yeah yeah, sure. yeah 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 so i had to clear work out of the way yeah. i had to make sure that other jobs that i couldn't finish somebody else would pick them up and yeah. so on and so forth um so you're making before you even go you're making a very big commitment about what you're doing and like i would really say that the pilgrimage idea it starts long before you actually physically yeah. leave, you know, because yeah. in your head you're 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 going there, you're organizing, you're you're you're, you're mentally adjusting uh, to what you're yeah. doing. That's what uh, what I was wondering. Um, was there actually um, that pivotal moment? Pivotal moment is the second or this particular instance where you actually made the decision, mm-hmm. and from there on in, you started the journey before mm-hmm. you actually started mm-hmm. walking. Mm-hmm. Or would you say that it kind of grew on you and there would have been sort of times where after you kind of made the decision where you wanted to step away from it? <laughs> what, did I, what was I thinking? <laughs> sort of thing like. There certainly was. The night before I was going, yeah. uh, I couldn't sleep. Uh, like I'd never done anything like this before. So you wouldn't be um, a hiker or? Oh, I, I, I would be a hiker, but uh, okay. in, in terms of going abroad, yeah. going on my own, uh, and going that far, yeah. that was all new to me. And uh, part of my psychological baggage too is anxiety. And that's been an issue all of my life. And it often manifested itself in travel. So I'd be away and I, my mind would start racing and I've yeah. gone to bed and I, my mind's in overdrive. I can't sleep, mm-hmm. I can't relax. And, you know, that builds up into a panic. It's kind of like yeah. a positive feedback loop. It feeds mm-hmm. off itself. <laughs> like, ironically, if you have a problem with anxiety, if you have something to worry about, you're fine. Instead, <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so you focus yeah. on the thing you have to worry yeah. about and you deal with it. Yeah. Uh, like the car is running out of petrol. Yeah. You know, so so suddenly, whatever yeah. whatever crap is going on in that loop is, is dumped, you know, and you, you, you yeah. focus on getting the car to a garage and getting petrol. You I've know. seen that actually in my wife's mother. Like she went through a really rough period in her life uh, with marriage breakup and she was devastated mm-hmm. and she had a psychological breakdown. And um, that dragged on for quite a while. And as soon as she got a real diagnosis of cancer, 
she yeah. was right as rain because she had some hands on to worry about and yeah. tackle them. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Can relate to yeah, that. Yeah, we're strange creatures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think God fucked up a bit when he made us, you know. <laughs> well, that's that's the debate. Did he really? <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, did yeah. she really? Or did she really, yeah, yeah. But so yeah, the night before you got the Yeah, yeah, the night before I went, um, I, yeah, I couldn't sleep and all of this anxiety going through my head. And... Um, I, I normally I sleep very well, but on occasions, if for some reason I can't, yeah. I, my, I, I try to break it. I come downstairs. Yeah. Uh, I had this fantastic leather sofa, which I absolutely loved. And uh, I'd lie down on that. And then usually I get to sleep this time. No, so mm. like, but something like about four o'clock in the morning, that, that's mm. it. I'm not going. Why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> I don't need this. And the following day, the, the arrangement I had was I was going into the office in Galway City yeah. that morning. And then I would be getting the bus directly to Dublin Airport. Um, And I suppose I still had sufficient positive thoughts about it that I did bring the backpack with me. Mm. So I (laughs) I obviously wasn't entirely decided to abandon it, but I I met my good friend and neighbour, Una, for uh, for dinner that evening before I went, and I told her, I'm not not going. And she she more or less smacked me across the face and said, (laughs) you need to do this, you need to go. So I was sure... I'll get in the bus. <laughs> it's not a commitment to getting on the plane, you know. And when I got to Dublin Airport, I thought, well, sure, I'll go through the 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 the, the, the security checks yeah. and all the rest. I still don't have to get on the airplane, you know. <laughs> and finally, I did get on the airplane. But I also, I, I went, I did go to on the basis that if, 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 this, if it's not from me, uh, I'm, I'm not going to torture myself. Okay, and so you left yourself myself. the option. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And my, I return my, after a week. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah, and my idea was a week. And yeah. a week brings you... The, 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 the main Camino route, what they call the Camino Frances, starts in the French Pyrenees and goes across the north of Spain. Um, and like people who do it for some spiritual or profound reason are usually doing that route. There are, there are loads of others, and I've done bits of the others. Um you tend to meet people who are more into hill walking and the outdoors and that. Um, but on the Camino Frances, uh, after a week, a week brings you to the city of Lagrano okay. in Rioja, famous for the wine. Yeah. So that was my my opt-out point. I said, I'll do a week anyway, if mm-hmm. it kills me. You know? mm-hmm. And if I'm miserable still, uh, I will opt out at Lagrano mm-hmm. and I can get a bus to Bilbao and get a plane from there. Uh, within two days, I will. I knew <laughs> this, this was just wonderful. Yeah. Well, I suppose it falls all into place because the physical exertion of the whole exercise um, obviously brings about dopamine and pheromones and all the yeah. rest of it. And um, you probably f- feel challenged then as well, like yeah. challenged by yourself. Now, come on, you're not giving up here now. And actually the positives start kicking in and far outweigh the negatives mm. of the blisters on your feet mm. or the sore back or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. and you know, like it, it wasn't even as if I was weighing up those things or anything like that. It was just, I was loving it. Oh, really? From the word go, I was yeah. loving it, yeah. Um, and like that amazed me, like for somebody who had such problems with travel before, yeah. you know, I'd be, I'd be hanging. I remember one time going with a friend to England and uh, or to Scotland rather and on the way back we were coming down through England and he decided he was going off to visit friends in London uh-huh. and leaving me on my own and 
a huge panic attack in the middle yeah. of Yorkshire, you know, <laughs> which I can laugh at now, but it yeah. wasn't funny then. Like anxiety is, is, is an awful thing. It's, a, it's an awful um, shadow over your life. Uh, yeah, I get that. I don't like travel anymore. I used to travel an awful lot, but the last, um, I'd say about 20 years, even before we had kids, like I just was done with travel altogether because I can't get on a plane because of anxiety. If they would let me fly the bloody thing myself, like, you know, I'd fucking do it. Yeah. But um, just being in a container with people makes me so uncomfortable two weeks before I have to take a flight that about 20 years ago, I just gave up on it. Mm. Um, so I can relate to that to, to mm. that extent. Mm. But did you then, um, so you got the first two days behind you, you loved it, mm. so you did the week. And did you set yourself then targets of another week or did you no, know no, at that point... No. This is it. I'm going to walk to yeah, Santiago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I knew right at the beginning, this is it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I just enjoyed it from that point on. Um, yeah, it's... It, it, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to add other than say, yeah, I got into it. And yeah. uh, uh, like at a profound level, I, I knew this is what I needed. Okay. Uh, and again, like for that, you have to get out of your thinking mind. Yeah. Uh, we're not good at that, you know, and I, I think um, I do blame quite a lot of our psychological ills on capitalism. I, I'm, <laughs> and it's I'm not because I'm an out and out communist or anything like that. I'm not. And there's wonderful things in capitalism, yeah. you know, like, like our, our, our ancestors would envy us our, our creature comforts uh, that it has brought. But... Uh, it does want people who are focused and who are thinking and who are active. I, I, I always think of the story was told, a guy who had spent some time in Bangladesh and the Bangladeshis thought the Westerners were mad because they'd be working on a job and when it was finished, the Bangladeshis went and sat in the shade under a tree and had a chat and the Westerners stood around and said, well, what do we do next, you know? Uh, and I, you tend to get a reaction, like even... The act of taking time off for yourself, like walking the camino, isn't that very selfish? Yeah. That bollocks yeah. it's selfish. Isn't yeah, it selfish of you to think that I should not be entitled to use five weeks <laughs> yeah. of my short life to do something <laughs> like that? Like, it's insane when you think about it. Uh, and I, I do think our first duty is to ourselves. Yeah. If we can't look after ourselves, well, then we're not an awful lot of use to other people. Oh, absolutely. It's like in the plane, like, when it gets into trouble, like, you know, you have to put the mask on yourself first in order to <laughs> help, yeah. help the yeah, one yeah, next yeah, to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is the beauty, uh, because we don't know each other, we meet for the first time, mm. and when you said um, you blame capitalism, like, mm. this is open gates here yeah. <laughs> um, because it is a concept that's built on yeah. perpetual and prospective um, 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 gain so um, it doesn't let you off the hook in any sense if you have the million you need the 10 million if you have yeah. the 10 million you have to, you need the 100 million and the whole um, societal concept mm. is based on everybody everybody buying into that you have to um, continuously achieve more and and work towards gain mm -hmm. and that leaves very little choice but to um, either stay with the system or opt out altogether mm -hmm. there's no there's no in between in capitalism yeah. and that's yeah. just the, the crux of it yeah 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 uh, yeah but, so you went um for five weeks then walking uh, actually I, I took six uh, because okay. i i wanted to uh, i i wanted to, to get into it i i i I want mentally and physically to get into it. Okay. So I went on an approach that I am not going to substitute all the head stuff from home with a new 
load of head stuff, which an awful lot of people do. So they come away onto the Camino. They've left behind all of that stuff. I have to get the kids to school. I have to get to get the job finished. I have to pay the mortgage. And they replace it with another big pile of shite. I have to get to such and such a point today. I have to do 35 kilometres tomorrow, yeah. so I'm ahead of my time, um, and so on and on. And you'll see an awful lot of people doing that, and they're throwing away the opportunity. It's the habit um, of perpetual gain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, have to make yeah, another 50 yeah, kilometres yeah, today, or yeah, whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I had gone along very much with the idea that I want to be able to tune into myself. Yeah. If I feel like doing a long, tough hard walk mm-hmm. I do it if I feel like having a lazy day or doing mm-hmm. nothing yeah. I do it if I'm wandering past a hostel and oh, that looks a nice place to stop yeah. I do it you yeah. know so because that you, you need five weeks is kind of the the standard yeah. uh, Camino yeah. tie yeah. slot um, but uh, I, as I say I took six so yeah. that uh, I would be able to mm-hmm. have flexibility um, now what happened in the end was if you go on the Camino, if you want to get the most out of the Camino, then by and large, you're better going on your own. Uh, but you won't come back on your own. Yeah. I had a bunch of friends at the end of that, and we're still in contact with each other. And um, uh, that that was one of the joys of the thing for me, and that became part of it. One of them, uh, one individual, an American, well, Canadian woman who lives in, in, in America, Angela, and one of the most extraordinary, like, I, I hate... I, I'm never comfortable using words like spiritual, but I don't have any other one. She, uh, the most, one of the most spiritual people I've ever met. And um, uh, she became a kind of, well, she became a, a buddy, a pal for me yeah. on, on the Camino. And, and she did for the whole group that kind of gelled together towards the end of it. Would you like meet those people and then walk with them? like at On and off. At a group space, so on and off. So yeah, you yeah. would meet at a certain point, but yeah. you wouldn't fall into a group where um, it basically they're, 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 there's a group dynamic there and it's the group space that sets it then. So everybody yeah. still does uh, his or her own thing and you meet at certain points mm. again. In a very informal way. Yeah. Uh, like and, and of course this developed gradually. Oh, like course, I didn't yeah. meet any of these people. Until I met Angela just before the Grano, and the the people people I met and walked with before that mm. I ne- I lost contact with completely and yeah. never never saw them again. Sure. Um, so it is a, it's an informal thing, and we would uh, like I found with Angela that we'd walk together sometimes we'd walk separately sometimes mm-hmm. we were walking together we'd talk sometimes we. would silent sometimes but it evolves naturally yeah 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 and that 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 was one of the lovely things about it for me so you know i don't think either of us felt the other was hanging on and yet both of us felt there was somebody else there that we we, if we wanted to talk or wanted company there was somebody there if we didn't the other person wasn't going to take offense because you went off your own way um and then like as it went on it kind of gelled into you know, there was a kind of a core of us of about six. And, yeah. But then a few other people got to know. And uh, as it went on, we were swapping phone numbers yeah. and then we had a WhatsApp group. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, even at that stage, you know, we, there'd be times we'd walk together, there'd be times we walked separately. And, uh, you know, it got to a stage where I suppose it was sufficiently organised that we'd let each other know where we're going to be, you know. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I'll... Think yeah. up with you tomorrow or something like that, you know. Did you actually bring a phone with you? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. did you check it all the time or did uh, you really gosh. just leave it to the evening and, oh, I checked it once a week or something like um, that? I, yeah, I would, I'm trying, trying to remember now. Uh, 
like what I'm very clear about was the phone and like particularly work because I was self-employed. So the phone yeah. was my work phone and it definitely did not impinge on, on the day. And that, that was very important to me. That would um, be a worry. Like you're so used to the phone and yeah, um, yeah. checking oh, the phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. It could be, it could be complete. Yeah. Uh, like there were a few work things that I had yeah. to, to do. I had to stop in uh, Burgos for a night uh -huh. and spend a little bit of time in a library there uh, uh, getting some job or other something written okay up. can't remember but it was a it was more like a couple of occasional moments where okay. i just had to get out of the camino mood and do this you know and then i was back away from it and i did find you know the the great things about making the commitment the, the, there's a wonderful quote uh it's from one of the german philosophers is it goethe a man whose name i cannot pronounce it also um where he says, be brave and great forces will come to thy aid. Yeah. And you decide to do something like this and just, yeah, somehow, and, and again, I'm, I'm not into magical stuff, yeah. but just things fall into place. And like I found with work, the phone went quiet. Mm. There were a couple of things, but only a couple of things. And otherwise people knew I was away and, and left me to it. It's a the, reciprocal thing. Once you draw the line, I'm not there. People actually stop texting yeah, and ringing. Yeah, And yeah, after yeah, a while it's like, yeah, oh, sure, he's not there yeah. anyway. So it kind of feels yeah. like they're gathering around you and supporting you and yeah. what you're doing. That there was good. one job I was concerned about because it had been delayed through no fault of mine. But I had booked my flights to go to France with this job in mind that it'll be finished on that date so I'll leave the following week and it wasn't and I had to get another guy in to take my place and uh, let the, I, I, I did um, I felt a little bit bad about it because uh, uh, like for the client it, it was messing him around quite a bit and he phoned me then just before I was going and I answered the call and said oh, I'm going to get a roasting here and he says, well, Stephen, I hear you're doing the Camino. And mm. says, uh, yeah. So that's fantastic. My wife did it last year. It's the best <laughs> thing she ever did. I hope you have a fantastic time, you know. And God, I, I don't think I've told that man. Uh, so I, I, I must make a point of, of giving him a call now and letting him know that because it was a wonderful piece of encouragement yeah. to get. But it does, like when things like that happen, it does feel like kind of the universe is gathering around you yeah. and saying, yeah, you're doing the right thing here. Um, my friend Angela said to me one, day that uh, you know she would talk about spirit uh, and again I said it doesn't have to be in any magical sense like I come at this stuff that this is human nature not 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 at some god up in his heavens sending us messages but she would say uh, we, we have a spirit and that spirit has a habit of whispering and if we don't pay attention it taps us on the shoulder and if we don't pay attention it bangs us over the head and we still don't it runs us over with the 30 ton truck <laughs> and that's how I feel like what happened to me before I went I felt I was run over by the 30 ton yeah. truck but when you're and when you, you if you get in the Camino and get into it you're you're engaging with that yeah. do I feel like yeah. walking a long way today or do I feel like just having a lazy day it's we we take so little effort in our lives to, to engage with that of what we ourselves are like. And again, you hear the voice of selfishness, yeah. selfish condemnation coming in. Well, you have to break <laughs> habits of a lifetime, really. Yeah. And um, that's probably the, the 
the biggest thing for the um, at least for the first couple of days to get rid of, mm-hmm. like that fo- phone habit, for example, or the the habit and thought as well. Um, did I leave the iron on? That kind of thought, you know, uh, have yeah. I paid the parking meter? Mm-hmm. That sort mm-hmm. of thing, and getting mm-hmm. out of those habits, yeah. which are to a large degree irrational. Um, and reflecting on those habits creates new habits. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that gives you a new kind of approach on things, a new perspective. Yeah. I suppose that's some translation of um, the spirit will whack you over the head, like, yeah, you know, yeah, if you don't yeah. listen to, to yeah. it. Um, so you did um, the Camino, and that took a month and a half, mm-hmm. and you went back to your old life. You yeah. picked up work again, and yeah. did you, like, from the first day back at work, did you feel that profound change in yourself lasting from that uh, extraordinary experience? Um, or was it more flick a switch and we're back to old Stephen and go to work? Yeah, I think, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the film The Way. No, uh, I don't think so. Emilio Estevez. Uh, directed so. it. It, it. It's a wonderful film. I've, I've watched many. It's one of only a very few films I've watched repeatedly, mm-hmm. and it captures the Camino. The Camino is sometimes referred to as the way. Um, it, it captures the spirit and the experience of the Camino really well. And at the end of it, the, the briefly the story behind it is that this guy's son uh, is opting out of college and again and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> taken off to walk the Camino and. It dies in an accident in the Pyrenees. Uh, and the father goes over to collect the remains, has the remains cremated, and then decides to walk the Camino himself, carrying the remains with him. So it's a wonderful basis for a story. And at the end of it all, he uh, says, you know, I don't know if this has changed me at all. And um, he has similarly a bunch of friends that he's linked up with. And it does kind of touch on how it changed them. But... The interesting thing is, I don't think the changes are necessarily intellectually that obvious. Um, I, I th- and I think they're all the more profound for that. You know, you come back on the same person, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's the same strengths, the same Maybe weakness. But, later, at, another, but... at another level, you're, you're, you're not, you, yeah. you have moved on and you're not necessarily that conscious of it. Um, but the, and when I came back, uh, the horrible thing about coming back was I was coming back to a life that had lost all interest to me, mm. that had lost all meaning for me. So I was coming back to nothing had been changed in yeah. the life I was living yeah. back here. So I was worse than ever. Yeah. And I was in a very bad state now for a few weeks after I came mm. back. And my friend Angela uh, on, on the phone, she really had pulled me through that. Mm. Um, and... Uh, that kind of led me to thinking, well, you know, I, I'd lost interest in my work in particular. But everything I was doing, like I'd been I'd been cycling for a lot of years. And I just got to a point where the cycling, which I'd been, I'd been very enthusiastic about, and a bunch of us were doing it, and we were participating in these cycling events, yeah. you know, where you're doing 100 miles in a day over the Burren Hills, you know, <laughs> oh, uh, that kind of thing. Um, but then it became a routine. And, you know, like I remember getting up on Saturday morning and said, ah, I'll go for the cycling and get it out of the way, you know. So it's uh, just something. It's, it's just a job chore. that needs yeah, to be done, yeah, like feed the yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It needs to be fed. Exactly, so you have yeah, to do your yeah, 50K cycling yeah, every weekend. Yeah. But I was going into the office and uh, oh, I'd be in a terrible state. Uh, and I'd get something finished and coming out and it, 
like before I got down the stairs to the street, I was in floods of tears. Mm. Uh, so something had to give. Mm. So um, I had to look at the finances and I retired. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I retired not knowing what in the name of God yeah. I wanted to do next. So I thought, well, if I've no idea what to do next, maybe I'd better go and walk the Camino in Spain. <laughs> so <laughs> I went straight back to Spain the following year. I did it all over again. For another five or six weeks? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, actually 10 weeks the second time. <laughs> was, uh, I, 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 I took my time. Uh, the second yeah. time I had a dog with me, which yeah. was great fun. Um and uh, totally different experience. I, ne I never feel I've done it twice because the, the, the two walks were so different. But the first time is obviously you have no, you have no reference point, whereas the second time you have yeah. some idea of what oh, to expect. So that's that one thing. would differ yeah. substantially. Yeah. And on top of that, I kind of feel the first time I was getting over something. Yeah. The second time I was more asking myself, well, where the hell do I want yeah. to go from here? <laughs> and uh, in addition to that, I had the dog with me. Yeah. And uh, somebody said, oh, the girls will be all over. For you and yeah, the yeah. like 20 year olds, 25 year olds were, but they had no interest in me. <laughs> Should have brought the baby for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the experience I made the first time I was in a shopping center with a baby. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, hey, uh, should have yeah, known yeah, about that. Yeah, the like. center of attention, yeah, Absolutely. a dog is the closest that, that I've come to that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I actually, I um. I had wondered about uh, accommodation, you know, staying with a dog. Mm. And uh, I I went, and like at this time I went, no worries at all about mm. going on my own, you know. So I suppose that's one of the kind of changes I'm talking about, sure. you know, it's, it's a more profound change. I'm thinking of going away, I'm in a panic attack and I can't sleep and all the rest. Now yeah. I'm thinking of going away and say, yeah. great, you know. Um, and going with the dog, I thought, well, Will I be able to get accommodation? Will they let me into the hostels? Because most of the accommodation on the Camino was hostels and you're sharing a room with people. Sure, yeah, just uh, bunk beds and... Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And like actually for anybody thinking of doing it, 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 it it's great value because you, you generally a bed is 10 euro for a yeah. night and you get a full dinner for 10 yeah. euro as well and that includes the wine. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> like 30 euro a day and you're, yeah. you're, you're laughing on the Camino. Um, but uh, I suppose the other thing people would probably worry about is that you're in a huge big dormitory with people snoring. Yeah. And I had always thought my dormitory days are over since being in uh, the youth hostel, hostel yeah, yeah, donkeys years anymore. ago. Yeah, but yeah. when you're walking all day, you are know, you and like... You're out, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you sleep. It's a healthy it's sleep. All, <clears throat> yeah. Although a pair of earplugs is a... <laughs> good precaution to bring with you but the second time with the dog <clears throat> I'd wondered about accommodation and uh, I booked a place the first night it starts in this village Saint-Jean pied de port in the French Pyrenees and um, it's a good idea to book place that night because everybody's it's a starting point for sure. nearly everybody you know yeah. further along you'll all stop in different villages you know, so it spreads out a bit more and I was able to get one that allowed the dogs to uh, France is one of the great countries in the world for traveling around with the dog. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like restaurants, bars, accommodation. Not that they all take them, but it's an awful lot better than Ireland. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, the first day, the first day of the Camino is the hardest day. You go up over the Pyrenees and down the other side, you arrive in this little place in Spain called Rance Valles, and which isn't really even a village. There's, there's a huge, big um, uh, hostel there. And there's a hotel and there's a tourist office. So oh. I'll inquire in the tourist office. So they said to me very bluntly, if you're doing the Camino with the dog, you need a tent. 
so oh, yeah. like I thought maybe I'll have an odd night in a church doorway or something so like that. Was that the same route you went before? Yeah. Uh, it, it was. I, further on, I diverged off it. Oh, okay. But uh, uh, the first part, as far as Leon, which is about um, two-thirds of it, yeah. it was the same route. Um, and uh, so when I got to the first main town you come to was Pamplona mm-hmm. after about two and a half, three days. And I bought a tent there. Okay. So from there on, I was camping some of the time. I was in hostels some yeah. of the time. What time of the year are we actually talking about? Oh, uh, both uh, autumn. <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's still mild enough. It's better than it, walking it, in the summer, obviously. Uh, it's, it's a bit cooler, but like, like at, at, on both occasions, I went round about the same time, which was uh, so mainly September into October, um, and uh, it's still pretty hot. At that time of year, so like people tend to leave, or tend to set off each day very early. Yeah. So like it's 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 common to be setting off in the dark. Okay. Um, and uh, you get a few pigs who insist on getting up at four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> turn the lights on in the in, in the uh, <laughs> in the dormitory. There's nothing wrong you know? with four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're you're a father speaking. <laughs> yeah, I like four o'clock in the morning. I mean, I'm back here in the studio, and um, for at least three hours, nobody's gonna shout for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing <laughs> the is, if you're if you're day. sleeping in a dormitory and you're tired yeah. and you're planning to get up at six in the morning, yeah. <laughs> you are thinking very uncamino thoughts about the bastard who got up at four. You know. Um, but what was I going to say? So you had the dog and you, you bought the tent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was mixing then between hostels and tents. But partly because of that, I didn't get to know people the second time around. Yeah. Uh, did meet people. I walked occasional days with people. But well, not the um, same intensity. Yes, nothing like that at all. Yeah. You know, and there's almost nobody I'm in touch with uh, since yeah. from the second time. But like that was great too. It, it, it was what I needed at the time. Yeah. And again, it's the same thing about tuning into yourself. Yeah. What do you need? If yeah. What you need one occasion may not be yeah, yeah. what you need on another. Yeah. So Any um, matches different? Yeah. And then I, when I got as far as Leon, um, well, actually, I had, a, I had a wonderful experience in um, uh, on the Meseta. The, the, the middle section of the Camino is over what they call the Meseta, which is this big upland plateau in the center of Spain. Okay. Almost treeless. You're walking across vast, vast expanses of wheat and corn and sunflowers and things like that. And some of it's absolutely lovely, really quiet, and uh, you're far from roads, and particularly the first section after Burgos, and there's some beautiful, fabulous little villages to stop in. Other parts are hell, (laughs) you know, that there are sections where the walk is beside a motorway. Uh, There are sections that are long, Dead straight and dead flat, yeah, and you're boring, you're, yeah, you're yeah, looking yeah, down the track for as far into the haze mm. and the distance, you know. And, but you know that's part of it too. Mm. Um, and it, again, the thing works best if you if you can accept all of that as yeah. part of the experience. Um, I've forgotten where I was going with that. Well, I um, hope you were going to Santiago because. Oh yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I was going to say I stopped at one of the hostels there, yeah. and the, some of the hostels, uh, most of the hostels are are private, uh, you know, for profit. You know, it's mm. it's, it's, it's it's families usually uh, making a few bob on it, and you know the villages on the Camino. The Camino is their lifeblood, their economic yeah. lifeblood, and the revived interest 
in the Camino has revived <laughs> those villages. So they're, they're fine. Uh, some of them are municipal uh, and they're kind of you know, serviceable and yeah. <laughs> what you'd expect municipal to be. Well, I mean, but, it generates a job or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of them then are run by volunteers uh, and they often don't have a set fee. It's a donate, donation, so it's up to yourself you can, and what you but, want to give. Yeah. Um, and they very often are the most interesting ones. And uh, there's one day on the Camino, you have a long, long stretch over vast open spaces. And at one point you come over the, the Meseta, it's not entirely flat. Uh, so you come over a hill at one point and you can see in front of you, like you're, you're, you're just looking at the track disappearing. Into, it's like a track out across the ocean, you know, it's a vast, oh, vast space of cornfields and that. And uh, just coming to the end of it, uh, there is an old chapel beside the route and uh, it's a it's a hostel and uh, it's been converted into a hostel so that the chapel itself is the, is the dining room and the accommodation oh, yeah. and then they have a building a modern building at the back with the toilets and showers and that in it uh, so I thought God uh, here's a place to stop you know so I asked but no they didn't take dogs but then they said well I could pitch the tent there I said well if I do that can I join in the meal and said oh yeah 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 so okay. like here they, they, they went through they went through a ceremony of washing the feet I'm not into <laughs> the Christian bit but I love that kind of ceremony yeah. you know it's it, it you, you you don't have to take supernatural stuff out of it I'm going out and repeating yeah. myself on that but um, uh, it was an absolutely fabulous place to yeah. stay and I went off to have a shower and I'm coming out of the showers and uh, there's a woman there uh, says to me, oh, are you the man with the dog? That's, I was the man with the dog. <laughs> not the well, you know, you know, there were very, very, very few dogs. Uh, so I said, oh yeah, and thought nothing of it. Sure, everybody knew me as that. And um, then she says to me, oh, I think I met you before. And yeah, I bumped into her in a village earlier on. And then she says to me, um, have you walked the Camino before? And I said, yeah, I have. I said, was it about this time last year? And well, that got my attention, mm. you know. <laughs> uh, so I said, yeah, yeah, I did. And then she says, you didn't by any chance meet an American woman called Angela? And I said, yeah. <laughs> How in the name of God do you know that? Angela had been doing this, these video logs, mainly for her family. Okay. Uh, but then she put them up on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, this woman had recognized me, not from my face, but from yeah. my voice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that, 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 that was a lovely moment. Yeah. And uh, it, like it's, it's, it's a common enough thing as you're walking the Camino. It's an odd walk because everybody is going the same direction. Yeah. Uh, so like there, there was a Slovakian woman I had met and we lost her at Burgos mm -hmm. and we encountered her again a few days before Santiago so this is weeks later yeah. uh, it's just coming around a bend in the track ah! yeah. <laughs> there you are. so here I, here I had a connection yeah. a year later you know with, 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 with somebody from the previous year but that's the beauty uh, of walking on foot as well you have a chance of meeting people yeah, again yeah yeah uh, traveling by car would simply impossible oh, yeah. to meet people yeah. again yeah indeed and, and like this year and last year I've been traveling around Europe in a in a, a, a camper van oh, yeah. and uh, that's one thing I really really noticed and I noticed how much more lonely you can be in a camper sure. van 
sure. uh, than you are if you're walking and, and you, like you're in the place yeah. when you're when you're walking and it's, it's you're feeling the wind but like also your 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 mental world is what's within walking distance of yeah, you of <laughs> you're in a minibus your mental world yeah you're, 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 you're walking down substantially yeah. when you're on foot like yeah. of course and you're driving along looking through a windscreen you might as well be looking at a television set just looking at a windscreen well, particularly when you're on, on motorways and, 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 and broad country roads like mm. and you have your destination basically marked out for yourself you will be there and there in about two hours. So for the two hours you're behind the wheel, yeah, um, yeah you're looking at the television. Yeah. And it's like yeah. the, the shopping channel. It's really meaningless in yeah. that sense. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you can distract yourself a little bit with the radio if you want, but it, you're still driving. Yeah. And it's a boring task, you know, you have to endure for yeah. the next, let's just say two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But come here, how did, you, how did you actually then end up writing a book? And I suppose this book is about that experience, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it's very much about... I don't about, know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very much about that. Uh, like, I, I felt uh, at the end of it all that I really felt I had something to say. Mm-hmm. And um, I also felt that I had something that might be useful to other people and might be interesting and entertaining as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I just, I, I, it wasn't a huge big decision. I just, just started writing a bit and mm-hmm. then I, I, I kept going at it. Um, so the, the, the book then essentially is about what, why I started off by going and what mm-hmm. I got out of each of the Caminos. Um, and uh you know, how it worked for me and how it can work for other people and what it can bring to you. And then I was going to have this section that was this triumphant walk across yeah. Europe. So I had this planned. I was going to walk, now that I'd retired, I was going to walk from Dursey Island in West Cork to Istanbul. <laughs> they're developing these long distance walking routes across Europe and that's one of them the, the E8 yeah, yeah. I reckoned it would take me two years I'd, I'd stop for the winter uh, somewhere along the way well yeah there, there, uh, there's that to consider yeah. as well the Alps and um, yeah. wherever whatever uh, yeah, yeah, and, take, and, and like I would have been doing this with the dog and therefore I would oh. have been dependent on a tent and yeah. apart from cold and wet and all that kind of thing a tent in the middle of winter like it's darkest before yeah. uh, half past four or something like that. What are you going to do? You know, so you're playing games on your phone for the next two hours until the batteries go flat. You know, you're charging the battery, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, w- I would have stopped for that. But um, uh, along came COVID. Yeah. And that was the end of that. And everybody's life has changed. So my post-Camino world was COVID. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, like that, that was a tough time for most people. Not for everybody. I, well, I was we had talking, a ball. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, because I didn't have to be anywhere. Yeah. And we had the means not yeah. to be anywhere. Yeah. Um, but we were certainly a minority. Yeah. Not a tiny minority, but the, the people who enjoyed COVID, particularly the first lockdown with the fantastic weather, were a minority. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, indeed. And, and uh, where we live I, here, you know, you go yeah. down to the beach. I mean, just imagine you are living in a small apartment in London, in Dublin, in Paris. It's a very different um, setting from living in the countryside a couple of miles down from the beach. Yeah. Two very different propositions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, when I came back, I, I had a couple of outstanding work commitments. 
that although I'd retired, I had to come back to just things that take a lot of time. Uh, one was a high court case and the other was a Borpanola planning appeal. Well, planning application concerning the Galway Ring Road. Um, they had an oral The one I will that. never drive on in my <laughs> lifetime. <yeah. laughs> um, but uh, I, my own house is rented out, so I had to find yeah. somewhere to leave to, to live. And renting a house, like I wanted to rent a summer for a couple of months. Yeah. That's a very difficult period to rent mm-hmm. for. And I wanted to get somewhere that would allow a dog. Yeah. And three quarters of places for rent in this country, no pets. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't understand that. I know like dogs shed hairs, but yeah. human beings wreck properties. Dogs Absolutely. don't. Yeah, yeah. You know? Absolutely. But anyway, I, I got summer in a Hastra near yeah. Ballinasloe. And the couple who owned the house, uh, he said to me one day, you know, that the, the COVID lockdown. Oh, yeah, I was there for, for about two weeks when the lockdown started and the hearing into the Ring Road in Galway was yeah. postponed. And uh, I thought I was going to be in Ahaskra for a month or so. Yeah. I ended up in there for uh, oh, four months or six months. Well, that was the lockdown period plus yeah, the, 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 yeah, yeah, the, the, course, yeah. the first lockdown period. It was period. quite long, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, like in that period, I, I literally didn't meet a human being I knew, not once. Yeah. <laughs> and like if that had been me previously, I'd have been in bits, but I was absolutely fine with it. But the couple who owned the house, uh, he was a farmer and he trained horses. And he said the lockdown has had absolutely no impact on them whatsoever. Yeah. But for most people, yeah, it was a big one. And as it dragged on and kept coming back and going and coming back again, I did. Begin to find it mm, tough. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I, the book kind of then was a problem. I thought, how am I going to finish it? You know? <laughs> oh, you had already started the book. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and I did a lot of writing when I was in a Hasgra. In fact, all oh, right, yeah, that's um, what I was yeah, so, imagining that yeah. this is kind of the productive period to write a book. Yeah, 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 yeah. and I, I'd stuff done indeed before that, you know, yeah. uh, but. Um, uh, as I said, that the last part was going to be this triumphal walk across Europe. That was now gone. So I, I was kind of, I was kind of yeah. missing a punchline to end the <laughs> book with. Uh, but I did end up on one of the breaks in the lockdown. I I uh, got away to Crete, yeah. and I was in Crete for a few months. Now I had to, uh, I presented the book as kind of the post lockdown thing. That's bit of uh, not entirely factually accurate uh, because there, there was another lockdown and I had to leave and come back but it really was kind of the freedom of, of being, uh, being, being able to get away just to yeah. enjoy like live the moment and, yeah. and travel and Crete is fabulous yeah. place to go to particularly if you're into walking yeah. beautiful countryside amazing mountains amazing coastlines yeah. and you can lie on the beach there all day too if you want to but the gorgeous in Crete are, are just yeah. extraordinary um, and uh, so that those few months there was it was an absolute joy but um, that that trip um, from Cork to uh, Istanbul that really fascinates me. Okay, and see, yeah. we were living in Berlin in 2015 yeah. when um, the the bulk of the refugees came um, from Syria, mm. and that is the mm. route pretty much of the Balkans they would have taken the other way around, okay. like, you know, <coughs> yeah, arriving yeah, into, yeah. into Europe then and trying to make their way yeah, into Western yeah, Europe. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a very different. Um, setting coming from the other end because you're fleeing war and poverty and mm. all that misery oh. and um, going on your own volition. 
Yeah, no, but yeah, it strikes um, me as an awful long distance and a terrible enterprise to embark on on foot. Yeah, in <laughs> any circumstance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I suppose, like anything in life, when you're doing something because yeah. you want to do it, yeah. it's totally, totally different from yeah. doing the same thing because you're forced to do it. Uh, I've spent time this year and last year working with refugees in Calais. And uh, so there are people who have come by whatever means they can from the biggest numbers are from Sudan and yeah. Eritrea, Syria, Afghanistan. Yeah. And like some of them have walked ridiculous distances. Yeah. And like when I'm walking the Camino, I, A, I'm doing it because I want to do it. Mm. B, I have everything that I need. I have a tent because of the dog. I have yeah. food. I have water. See, I have a, an EU passport. I am entitled to be there. The police and everything anytime. are my supporters, not my. These guys, yeah. they've they've faced opposition and hostility yeah. and downright hatred, yeah. the whole way. Uh, there was one guy in Calais who had come from Sudan. He crossed Libya. A lot of them come in through Libya. Yeah. And Libya is a hellhole at the moment. Yeah. Um, so they're preyed upon in Libya. This guy had been shot by a policeman in the leg. Mm. And he had a prosthetic. And the prosthetic had got damaged. And the damaged pr prosthetic was injuring his the stump of the leg yeah. that he had left. He was in terrible pain. So he was on painkillers. He had got addicted to the painkillers. He was now in Calais. One of the volunteers in Calais was trying to get him medical help. And the hospital wouldn't do anything about his damaged prosthetic because he was addicted to the painkillers. Mm. He said, he's on the fucking painkillers yeah. because of the bloody prosthetic. Yeah. You know, so I, I came away from Calais thinking that the, the people who are there, they are incredible people who have faced the most incredible challenges yeah. in life way beyond anything I have ever faced. Yeah. Way, way, way beyond it. And they've come through. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'd love to see the media talk about them more, less as victims yeah. and more as heroes, you know, uh, because anybody who can come through that kind of thing. That's a very, uh, it's a very tricky subject because, yeah. um, like, it, it, it's... Certainly, it approximates a vicious circle because obviously of our lifestyle, capitalism has a lot to do with it. Um, we in the West generate conflict. We thrive on conflict elsewhere. We profit on conflict elsewhere. We produce um, the, the miserable circumstances that um, get people to flee their environments and end up on our doorstep, which creates then problems for us. And it's a whole different industry. And I would have been driving, um, I would have done Cali for about 10 years or so, at least three times a year. And I've seen the jungle growing um, uh, between, let's just say, uh, 2010 and 2020, in around that time. Three times I've, I've seen how the jungle grew and how the walls and the barbed wire and they extended and I could see the police um, patrolling at first just two cops in a car and how that um, went into big squads of police in riot gear with guns with all sorts of night vision goggles and all that. But um, the, the whole problem of refugees um, is... is, is 
it's just a very, very, it's a minefield. It's a very wide thing. And I was not particularly taken with this, this welcoming the Ukrainians received in Ireland in comparison to all the conflicts in the world that existed before and where refugees um, were produced before by conflict. Um, that, that wasn't really in a topic in Ireland. Like we had that much more in, in, in Germany. Um, and all of a sudden, you have a conflict in Ukraine, uh, however terrible that is, and however terrible that is for the Ukrainians coming here then, but they all of a sudden were acknowledged as refugees. Mm -hmm. And um, people of different complexion weren't um, quite in the public eye as much as uh, those people from Ukraine came. And again, I don't want to bash anything here, any efforts people working with particular sets of refugees as well because there's a skill set involved it starts with language it starts to understand a certain um, cultural background um, um, but uh, I, I'm definitely aware of that um, of, of the complexity of the whole topic of refugees um, in our western society so yeah it's um, yeah, the jungle in, in Cali there is a, is, a, is a terrible place and there are terrible fates there. And um, yeah, you're right. In, in some way, what people have done to at least get to Cali is a heroic deed. Yeah. But again, maybe is it, can, can a hero only be produced by circumstances by doing something for others, you know, with, with the purpose and not to save his or her own life, you know, that's, that's a, I don't know, it's a very philosophical thing. Yeah, well, again, maybe it's going back a bit to what we were talking about earlier, that, that we do all have a first responsibility to ourselves. Absolutely. Um, I met two Afghan brothers, young men in their 20s, and uh, they had been in the police force in Afghanistan. And they, they showed me, they had photographs of their ID on their phones, which presumably they carefully kept because they could use that to apply for asylum. Uh, so like these are guys who were not flown out yeah. when the Allies evacuated Afghanistan. They were left behind. Yeah. Their father, the Taliban are after them. They've caught their father, who's in jail. So these guys have made their way to Cali, leaving their father behind in jail. But... Who am I to condemn them? You know, what, what, what else were they going to do? Yeah. And presumably these are guys yeah. who would be entitled to asylum in Britain because presumably they were working alongside British soldiers. But the only way they can even apply for asylum is by risking their life going across the channel on an inflatable boat. Yeah. They can't even apply otherwise. Yeah. And that, that's an appalling thing <laughs> to do. Fucking atrocity. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that is a it's a problem that um, and I won't don't want to engage any in any Brit bashing either. But that's a problem that we have as a Western I, society yeah. have created. Yeah. And, 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 and like it's a word I wouldn't entirely go along with everything you say about the responsibility of the West. You know, like there are responsibilities in the countries they're coming from too. Mm. Like the Taliban are an appalling organization, sure. and uh, I don't think anybody well. Oh, I'm sure they've got armaments and that from the West, but like I don't think yeah. that's something that the West wanted or wanted to set up. In Eritrea, a lot of the uh, migration happens because uh, people are expected to do military service. And a lot of countries have that. You do mm -hmm. a year, and it's great experience that. In Eritrea, you don't know how long you're going to be in there. Yeah. Uh, so I gather it effectively becomes a form of slave labour. Yeah. In South Sudan, they're getting out because there's a civil war going on between the 
different tribal groupings in South Sudan. And actually, South Sudan is an interesting one because it, it occurs to me, like by comparison to the Ukraine, I think, I, I don't think the difference in response to Ukrainian refugees and, say, African or Afghan refugees is entirely racist. There is a big difference, but I don't know. I think to some extent it's easier to identify with your neighbours. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Sudan has two million refugees. A million of them are in South Sudan yeah. in refugee camps where they're protected by UN soldiers. Another million are in the neighbouring countries. They're in Kenya. They're in the Central African Republic. Uh, I think they're in Ethiopia. Um, so like the numbers who have got to Europe... <laughs> are a very small proportion, yeah, very, course, very yeah. tiny, infinitesimal proportion. Uh, one of the most disgusting uh, statements I heard was that idiot Braverman, Suella Braverman, mm. saying there's 10 million or 100 million refugees in the world, and they're coming here. They're like <laughs> bollocks, you know, a very, very small. A yeah. number of people have asked me, why do they all go to Calais? I said, they don't all go to Calais. There's, like, there's thousands in Calais. Yeah. But, uh, as I say, South Sudan alone has two million. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Cali so, is just where we see them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's it's a spot that's on, yeah. that's on the British news. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. Um, and one of the problems Britain has landed in from Brexit now is, as they're no longer part of the European Union, they mm-hmm. can't invoke this Dublin Agreement. Yeah. So called because it was signed in Dublin, where a, uh, an asylum seeker has to apply in the country of first entry, yeah. and uh, that's an agreement that needs to be torn up, you know, because that leaves all of the problem with Greece, Italy yeah. and Spain. Sure. Who has their first entry point in yeah. Ireland? Yeah. Well, we're stuck out in the Atlantic as it's... Yeah. You yeah. get across the Mediterranean and <coughs> move to a Greek island or to Malta or that, but uh, you're not going to do that up the west coast, yeah. uh, up the west coast of Europe, yeah. through the Atlantic. But it's, it's terrible. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's... Yeah, it, it's terrible. I mean, what else can you say? Because it's such a it's such a complex issue, and yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, we shouldn't close our eyes to that. Um, but again, you have to look after yourself first in order to be able to look after others. Yeah. And a lot of yeah. us are not in a position to actually help others, not even their next door neighbor, because they are not really in tune with themselves. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But. Let's get back to the book then. So you finished that book just recently. Uh, yeah, well, I I I completed a draft um, oh, a good while ago. Uh, it would be last year. Yeah. Um, but uh, then I started thinking about the world of publishing. <laughs> and that's another minefield that you enter into. Um, Please do tell me because for at least 30 years I'm, I'm toying with the idea of writing a book. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yes. Many things have changed in the last 30 Everybody years. Everybody has a book in them. How uh, do you go about it? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, the first thing I did was just by chance, I was talking to a friend, uh, a, 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 a former client, but who's become a, a personal friend, and he has published uh, um, a couple of books um, in this same general area of, kind of personal growth, spirituality. Uh, but... Um, uh, he said to me that once he got to the stage of publication, 
he lost his innocence. <laughs> and the whole thing became a chore. Yeah. Uh, now, I didn't actually find that, but uh, like, like certainly you're, you're going into another world that, that you, you start learning about. Um, and I never realized that there's a distinction in publishing you know, between what's, um, well, well, between the, the normal publishing process is a publishing company takes it on mm-hmm. and uh, they get a cut of the profits. But there's what they call vanity publishing. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Which is very I'm a pejorative author that kind. doesn't make any money. Yeah, you you pay the publisher to, to do it. Yeah, yeah no, that, that's the way I've ended up doing it. That's um, actually great. There's a great book uh, by Umberto Eco for Colt's Pendulum, if you know it. And that's I, I, the I know set- of it. It's the yeah. it's the setting of a publishing company that oh. w- operates uh, both sides, and the okay. one that makes money actually is the the vanity publishing. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, it's yeah, a great yeah. setting. But yeah. anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I I I ended up, like I sent it to a number of publishers who said no. Uh, so I think well that's okay. I'm in good company like J.K. Rowling, <laughs> 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 all the great writers, we great writers. <laughs> We've all had our rejections, uh, but then I ended up. I got I got uh, um, a very encouraging response from a publishers in Galway called Tribes Press, mm-hmm. and uh, they sounded genuinely interested in the book. So the uh, like by my their website had asked you to send in a certain amount of information, so a sample of a piece of the book. So they didn't have the Oh, you don't manuscript. send the whole end, no, I would imagine, no, no, that's no, on they, a USB yeah, stick, so, they, shall we say? For a start, they want they want kind of a short piece about who oh, you are, okay. what the book's about, an extra, yeah. a chapter from the book or something. So the next step was they asked for the whole book and they got somebody to read through that, and mm-hmm. they, they were very, very positive and encouraging after that. And I, I, I'm, I'm proud of it myself, you know, as I, I, I do feel... I did start feeling that I had something that was worth writing, something that was mm-hmm. worth saying, and I do feel I said it, and yeah. at that I'm happy. I don't care if it doesn't sell a single copy. Yeah. You know, I kind of feel I I have done that, and that's fine. And if it goes further than that, that's 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 great. Did you have an editor or proofreader? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. So like initially, one guy read it, and basically said, "Yeah." go for it. Um, and then I was working with an editor, so I was going through drafts with her. Um, and very, very thorough and careful she was. Um, so like, there was quite a bit of work there uh, okay. and, you know, to, to, to bring it up to a final standard. Like, it's always different when somebody else reads something. Uh, like, uh, my, my professional career was all writing. You know, I was writing planning appeals and things yeah. like that. And the scariest thing is writing something that's open to two meanings mm. because if you check it, you see the meaning that you intended and you remain usually blissfully unaware. <laughs> yeah. That this, yeah, so the, some stuff has gone for me to the planning appeals board. Read, or, geez, what's the expectation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, just want so, validation, yeah. Yeah, so like you, you get, getting another person, yeah. an editor of the book is absolutely, obviously essential and for all sorts of other reasons too, you know. Um, so uh, that too was an, was an experience. Um, but again, I, I found it an enjoyable one and, and, and uh, a learning curve too. 
Um, and then a matter of getting it to the printers and hitting the print button. So hopefully I'm going to have a yeah. hard copy in my hand in the next few days. Excellent. <laughs> Look uh, at my baby. Oh, yeah. You haven't had it yet. I thought no, you no, no, not yet. Oh, not yet. So that's the big moment yeah, then where yeah. you actually... Oh, yeah. That's the crowning right. achievement yeah, then, yeah, not yeah. the trip. Actually, I, I think a trip from Cork to Istanbul, um, that would have been another book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah um, Might happen yet, so you if I have enough years left to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if someone wants to walk in Spain, I mean, they can hardly walk from here to um, Kinvara. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. But this is... So this is basically um, you. You will get your book now in the next couple of days, and they are yeah. then you're launching it in the community yeah. center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where do you go from there? Then is there sort of um, a follow up plan uh, on this now? Well, it's it's for the publishers really to get it into the shops and yeah. on that. Uh, but uh, like I will be li liaising with them on that. You know, there are, there are places. It's a place I've stayed in in Scotland called the Fintorn Community, yeah. and they have a shop and a bookshop, and it's, that's the kind of place now where where it would absolutely. But you don't have to do anything. Uh, you have no, no, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, whatever yeah. the publisher does, wherever it will be sold, wherever it will be read, has absolutely nothing to do with you. As yeah, such. I'm as lazy as sin. You know, I'm quite happy to just sit back and whatever what happens happens. You know. Because I always thought, like, which probably all did, or most of us did, whoever toyed with the idea of writing a book, um, I just want to write the fucking thing and then um, let someone else deal with it. I never, ever want anything to do with it. And since you mentioned the likes of J.K. Rowling or whoever, like, those guys, they're always complaining that they have so many commitments now since the book is doing well. They have to fly here and there oh, and right. everywhere yeah. do press conferences yeah. or whatever. Like, well, I guess it would be a nice fly. problem to have, you know, when, when Graham Norton is beating on my door to appear in his shows. And, well, I'll see if I can fit you in, Graham. <laughs> oh, but I don't want to fly. Just leave me alone with yeah. that. Um, yeah, but yeah. What's, the, what's, what's the plan for you next now? Because you're rightly... Proud of yourself that you have achieved that now yeah, after yeah. having achieved quite a number of yeah. other things like yeah, um, yeah. Uh, sort of on the way to retirement. Yeah, and I'm quite yeah. sure you have done loads of things with your life leading up and before you even got to retirement, which one could be proud of. But you, you have that done now. I mean, that, that must be what's, like you what's tick next? a box. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote the book. Yeah, yeah. I know that's a little bit scary. Somebody said to me one time about retirement that I think it's the stage of life where we need to learn how to just be yeah uh, i yeah okay that that that'll be great i'm not quite <laughs> sure i know how to just be <laughs> maybe that's the next learning exercise yeah but i be. do have in mind well like the, the lockdowns had dragged on so long it, it yeah. did get to me at the end i was desperate to get out so yeah. i bought a camper van like yeah. most of ireland did yeah. and i bought a left-hand drive so i could take it to the continent yeah. so last year early last year i set off and i was gone for about six months across uh, starting in Calais yeah. and then across Europe yeah. a lot of time in Eastern Europe. Where did you Europe. go? Like, were there any particular places you would... Uh, uh, no, I was, again, I was kind of making it up as I went along, you know. Okay. Uh, I went in January because that was when I could get away. Uh -huh. The lockdowns were gone. And like January in a camper van, it's not the most nah, pleasant thing. So I kind of thought, world, I yeah. want something to do, you yeah. know, rather than sitting in the dark on my own in a camper van with me yeah. and the dog. Of course, yeah. So I volunteered. <laughs> that, that's how I ended up volunteering in Calais. Uh, and I spent, I think, about a month there mm. um, and then set off. Uh, so I, I crossed um, the north of France. Um, I'd never been around any of the, the First World War sites. Mm. Um, 
and then across the middle of Germany, heading yeah. for Prague, because yeah. one of my Camino friends. Great spot. The, the, the woman whom I'd uh, lost contact with the Burgos and then met again about yeah. a week before uh, Santiago. She lives in Prague, so uh, I spent a wonderful yeah, you said few days. Slovakian woman, so um, yeah. yeah, they have quite a lot. Of uh, yeah, yeah, she's she's from Slovakia. Yeah, she yeah. lives in Prague. Yeah, um, and then I went into Poland and then down south to as far as Bulgaria. All right, yeah. Um, and uh, then one of the people I had volunteered with in Calais yeah. was spent some time in Poland where the Ukrainian mm. refugees were coming in. Uh, so I'd been going to do that and then kind of thought, you know, I'd, 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 I'd nothing arranged or set up. Yeah. I'm just going to be in the way. So like actually when I went to Poland initially, I was yeah. on my way there. And when I got, I was, <laughs> I was within about, um, uh, about two hours driving of the town I was heading for. Really not known what the arrangement or setup there was at all and I was kind of getting cold feet about it and then I was uh, I'd pulled in at a motorway services or something and the cops came over to check me out and then I, was, I saw tanks going past you know <laughs> and um, you know at that stage I turned around and said you know I, 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 I have no wish to be a war tourist or uh, something like uh, that um, so I took off, but I got talking to this guy then uh, whom I met in Calais and he'd spent time there. I said, oh yeah, no, go. And he told me where to go and how it works. You just arrive along and you register with them there in the day. So after I left Bulgaria, I went back and went up that way. Yeah. But um, the numbers had of people coming in had gone way, way down at that yeah. stage. Uh, so, you know they'd be getting thousands in every day at that stage it was maybe a hundred and I was doing nothing at all so I, yeah. well I was still there I think about two weeks but went on from that but at least yeah. it's great that you can do that like having been mm. retired like you know that gives you the freedom of yeah, doing yeah. all that and um that's great uh, and like other people like you know who take their their holidays to either go to the beach or spend um, their holidays on charitable projects, whatever it is, but they're limited in their time. Yeah. And whatever you kind of do on your travels, it's always too short anyway. I find anyway, if it's a, if it's a kind of a short of a holiday from work, mm -hmm. like only when you kind of make the decision to live in a country, and I've lived in a good few countries myself, mm -hmm. um, that you can actually immerse yourself and take the experience um, well, I was looking for anyway from the country. So we lived in Italy. I learned Italian and I immersed myself in there. And I can safely say, I don't want to live in Italy. Yeah. But uh, on a two-week holiday, which I've done loads growing up in yeah. Berlin, done loads uh, in my youth, like um, well, there was nothing attractive about Italy in particular to me on those holidays. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a week or it's two weeks, 10 days, and you come back and that's, the holiday done with I could have been in Portugal I could have been anywhere really whereas when you kind of have this open end thing you know well here I am now let's deal with the situation let's mm -hmm. deal with the people let's deal with the country let's deal with the oddities and discover it mm -hmm. uh, that's obviously a lot better than just you know in and out 10 days and done with but yeah 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 uh, but um yeah so you're mm -hmm. tourist now of life <laughs> <laughs> yeah well actually like the the, the next plan I, I'm, I'm trying to organize a house for myself having sold my house last january yeah. got away for four months and come back to be homeless uh and uh, oh that's killing me now at the moment but <laughs> i actually put an offer on a house this morning yeah, yeah. so uh I'm, I'm hoping there'll be a message on my phone when i turn it back on <laughs> as to whether the offer has been accepted or not and uh, then i do i i actually 
intend to go back to the Camino again. Yeah. And this is kind of a substitute for the walk across Europe. Oh, okay, I go enough. to go yeah, to yeah. France. And Same there, route? No, there, there are these feeder routes that go down from France. Okay. So I'm going to start on one of those. So it'll be about okay. double the distance. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of looking forward uh, to doing that again. So I'm becoming a bit of a, 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 an addict. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not the only one. James, one of the guys I met there, uh, who uh, uh, did that first Camino with me, like he went back shortly afterwards. And, uh, oh, I've lost track. He did it again. And then at the end of it, he flew down to Portugal and walked that one. Yeah. And then he went back out again. There's another route called the Del Norte route along the northern oh. coast of Spain. And he... Went back and did that, you know. Well, I mean, it's, it's their own better than yeah. than me. <laughs> <laughs>